Hello everyone, I'm Hemant Kumar from Capgemini. People also call me as HK. Welcome to this episode. Super excited to have you all here. Really appreciate you guys for listening. In this episode, I'm excited to talk about building on AWS. I've been working on a lot of AWS and Azure projects, mostly cloud architecture and uh, continuing with other interesting projects and certifications. Yes, you know how this year is going on. There are a lot of uh, demands for all home projects and uh, online training. So yeah, uh, I'm getting ready to deliver even more exciting projects in 2020 and uh, upcoming years. My thoughts have been uh, with uh, creating content around uh, infrastructure as code. Yes, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about infrastructure as code. I've been doing that for 20 years. It just was not called cloud computing back then. It was just going into router and activating or deactivating a service and then someone decided maybe we can do software-defined networking and then uh, you keep adding layers on top of that and then uh, we get it to what we call automated infrastructure today, which is done on AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. It's a great piece of work because it takes the power of software development and writing lines of codes to actually deploy physical infrastructure that involves routing, wires, and security, something that developers won't focus upon usually because they just uh, concentrate on uh, writing code using Python, Java, uh, .NET, and uh, C Sharp and those things. They never have to worry about the infrastructure behind it because uh, there is uh, usually a network administrator or a team that handles all those things behind the scenes. So they never uh, worry about setting up an infrastructure. Well, nowadays, if you are going to deploy a code, you need to know where this code is going to run and uh, be prepared to deploy that infrastructure yourself using infrastructure as code. At some point, we were all pulled into infrastructure and uh, networking areas. And yeah, I've been doing that from, like I said, straight out of college. I only left doing that stuff because AWS came uh, around and it made a lot of sense for me. And I think it's the best decision. I was doing a lot of messaging, email systems, network, system administration, router configuration, and IP stuff in the Linux and Microsoft spaces. Yes, so the infrastructure just worked amazingly. Whereas if you are just writing code, it's very hard to now go back and... Uh, learn networking. But if you are like me, where you were literally doing physical networking in the early days and running cable and doing all that stuff, it'll be easier to understand it in the virtual world than it is to start from scratch. Networking is one of the biggest pain points for most of people. Um, I can give one scenario. Let's say um, I would like this uh, private cloud to have uh, public subnets. That sounds great. We have uh, 20 routing rules and uh, NACLs. It means a lot of sense for network engineers. But for developers, they have never done subnet splitting or anything of that sort. So they are not going to know how much. Let me compare AWS networking with major cloud providers. Google Cloud is doing something similar. And now I believe Azure needs to do something similar as well. But I think it seems like they are incorporating networking stuff into some other exams, but AWS definitely does. The networking architecture in AWS seems like a tougher climb because uh, for something like Azure, you just go in and you spin up a VM or, or in a 
vnet and then that's it internet access is working you don't have to really think about it but in aws we must think about outbound nat and there is a lot more considerations number 1 it's easy to flunk up an architecture in aws and if you're not using the default networks number 2 it's easy to open yourself up for a security issue if you're not thinking through things all the way the default network that you get from aws is a vpc it's going to have um, maybe one or two subnets and probably they're going to be uh, public which is a concern it's like i see people where they have an ec2 linux server on a public subnet and uh, you need a, a ssh key to get inside the linux server and for them uh, that's it no that's not it and uh, you really need to worry because there are some vital questions that you need to have the answers to are you using a whitelist of ip or a strict access because if you are just putting it out there on a standard default ssh port and you just assume that nobody can get in there because they don't have the key you are underestimating the power of human hacking abilities there are so many bots out there if you just happen to leave something open and someone monitors that traffic you will get hit right away the reason is because the aws public range of ips is a very well known range hackers have databases of all these ip addresses and as soon as you spin up a server whether it's a windows linux it doesn't matter if it has a listening port somebody is going to be scanning it within seconds of you spinning up that machine you will be like what's going on what is this ip i haven't even started my web server and i'm getting hits already that is because they already know your ip because it comes from a well known pool of addresses and they publish that information right in their space so anybody can figure it out in the cloud arena it's very easy to activate or deactivate services quickly so you can take vpc just log down get a default address and then go from there attach an internet gateway and put up a server out there a default apache web server and um, with a hello world page and then uh, go ahead and disconnect the internet gateway uh, and see what happens see uh, if you understand what's happening or leave that alone and then go to the routing table make a change to the routing table and then try to understand what's happening then move that server to a subnet that doesn't have access to the internet gateway so you can do this test rather quickly so for somebody that doesn't understand networking these are exercises that can take them from zero to good understanding quickly without uh, having to physically connect wires or anything it just takes those little steps break it and see what happens i think for me uh, amazon taught me how to go through and set up a vpc with a public and uh, private subnets and uh, networking and securities i've got to force the traffic to leave a private subnet hit a nat gateway and uh, do all these things i've got to have an internet gateway for my nat service to be able to get it off the internet so yeah uh, stitching it all together i guess that is a way to force yourself to learn it that reminds me of the learning approach identify a project the smallest possible project that you can pick and go with it starting it from level 0 don't take any defaults just go like i said build a vpc and ensure that a vpc is working split it into several subnets to see what's going on once you have the subnets start deploying infrastructure there if you're not able to reach see if it's a security group that you need to open or maybe you don't have the proper routing start doing those things little by little and follow the approach when learning how to do this in terraform
I know the exact same approach. Um, it doesn't matter which cloud it is. I don't care if they uh, call it a VPC in Google Cloud or in Azure or in AWS. I'm going to follow the same pattern to learn the same thing in other cloud because it's, it just totally works. There is a saying, uh, knowledge comes uh, faster through your hands than just looking at it, and I love that quote. That's a good one. You got to apply what you are learning and get your hands a little dirty. And on the point of Terraform, I could talk about cloud formation and just some of the other tools that are popping up, but Terraform is so hot right now. You can pick your favorite programming language, whether it's a Python, Java, .NET languages, and you can write actual logic to deploy and what you want to deploy in terms of infrastructure. And uh, not only that, they provide uh, some uh, super smart defaults, meaning that you can deploy VPC with the subnets and everything in three or four lines of code, which would be 30, 40, or 50 lines of code if you had to do it in cloud formation. So for the folks listening, cloud formation is a kind of the declared or template model, whether it's a, either YAML or JSON, so you don't have all the sophistication of a programming language. They do have uh, some functions and stuff like that, but uh, it's not a true language. Some of those cloud formation templates are 20,000 lines just to do a, something uh, very similar. And the reason behind it is that they didn't want to include any programming constructs such as while loops, ifs, and branching, and all that, because that would require a programming background. And uh, you know that there are a lot of uh, people coming to cloud from a system administration background, so they don't need to be forced to learn computer programming to be able to do this job. So one should now know when to opt for Terraform or cloud formation. I would say the only weakness I've seen with Terraform is that all the tools that you create in Terraform, they are cloud specific. So even if you learn how to deploy a VPC in AWS, that doesn't mean that you can do it in Azure unless you understand. What are the input parameters that are going to be required on the Azure side that are not on the AWS side and all those little details. So you still must be an expert at uh, both clouds uh, or maybe three clouds or more than that to be able to use Terraform. But to me, that would be a good happy medium. There is a significant amount of work to be done across multiple clouds and because of that, they've used Terraform. And so that is just uh, popping up uh, on my radar way more. I still recommend people to go about step-by-step uh, Start very simple, start with the AWS associate exam. Uh, once you pass that, uh, it'll give you the confidence to maybe go after one or two of the pro levels, and then uh, from there, you can specialize. The cloud practitioner was created because of the need to certify uh, salespeople or anybody that is in a management role or somebody that needs to understand cloud to be able to speak about it, but doesn't need to get into uh, any technical details. So there's nothing about technical about that exam. It's just good knowledge to have. Uh, let's say if you're a pro project manager, that's useful knowledge. And it's a good certification to have for those folks that don't have to get into the technical needs. That's a perfect certification. So for the rest of us that are practitioners of technical solutions, it's mandatory to jump into associate level certification. Then we can go to pro level. Yeah. There are also certifications to get into sysops track and uh, developer track. And then from there, what I recommend is that people uh, get some sort of uh, specialty around what they are uh, trying to do. The latest one uh, is the database certification, which is great. 
because a lot of people have that particular background and it's uh, good to have that to show, especially since the cloud is uh, a very uh, popular destination for data migrations. So it's a good to have the cert. And as I mentioned, machine language and uh, security, those are specialties uh, too. Uh, the other area I would recommend is networking, which is a good specialty certifications to have. It's cool that uh, they are doing a database specialty uh, as well because of all the pandemic and everything. They have opened remote proctoring for the exams. Well, it's a good uh, that uh, they have got it and uh, now people can continue to get certified. What I recommend is uh, obviously online courses. And uh, you might uh, think that I'm a little biased because I was an instructor. I started my career as an instructor, right? Well, we have got a lot of AWS content already out there online, right? Uh, I love uh, working with those subject matter experts. I've registered for plenty of uh, courses and something that they promote, and that should also follow the hands-on uh, learning. So just for namesake, uh, if I teach you cloud formation, I'm not going to tell you about every possibility, property, every resources. I'm just going to show you, hey, there is a cloud formation. Here is how um, you deploy a server completely hands-free. Let's update the script. Let's deploy it again. Let's make uh, some more changes. Let's put a PowerShell script in here and see what it does. And then that's it. That's a course. And people love that because you get a lot more engagement knowing that they are going to finish soon. Nobody has the time for a five-hour commitment. But if they tell themselves like a self-motivated person, hey, you are going to be done with this course in 90 minutes, then you know what? I'm going to sit through it. I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to see it all the way through the end because it's something I can actually do and learn something this morning. That's especially important when you are getting started in the beginning. Those are quick wins. Get some awareness, get some hands-on experience, and then kind of move forward from there. The way I do it is I would provide exercise files along with the courses. That way people can follow and do it. So they just have their own AWS account, watch the course and practice on their own. That's the best way to do it. Let them suffer a little bit. Let them get stuck. By the way, uh, this is going to fail for the beginners and the user will find the reason why it failed and then the success, the journey begins. Troubleshooting is usually the best in IT because in the real world, we all get paid to troubleshoot and fix things rather quickly. Because I know that there are other platforms where you can get direct access through a lab system, and that's cool. But uh, what happens is where you get into a situation where you don't know how to manage the cost. You're afraid to spin up uh, environment up because uh, you don't want to pay too much money. Why don't we just lean into that fear learn how to manage our costs, and then just be responsible for our own costs. The way I would personally handle it is just let them do it. And as an instructor, I have the obligation to say something like, hey, this might cost you money. And then at the end of the lesson, I say, by the way, we are done here. This is what I wanted to show you. Go ahead now and delocate the server and or destroy the database so that um, it doesn't continue to, our, to incur charges. Yeah. So... Learn how to clean up um, your stuff and uh, learn how to manage your costs. That's super important, and I love that. I think doing such workshops will definitely help. Instead of forcing people to read 500 pages of documentation, let's just start with a nice and easy example that they can uh, build and incrementally make it more complex, where uh, you can slowly learn this product without being overwhelmed by huge documentation or white papers.
I have not been paying attention to all the new services that keep popping up and if you don't pay attention and miss a month right you're going to miss some services let me put it this way i was working on a course recently using rancher and uh, project calico technologies missed to follow the happenings on aws all of a sudden a few topics uh, i've missed out on aws which i would like to highlight it here number 1 aws backup is now available in aws uh, gov cloud us regions and number 2 AWS well architected tool is now available in the Middle East, APAC and uh, Canada regions. Seriously, I haven't finished this and they have already released something new. It's like if you step away for a bit, if you take your foot off the you know, uh, your place for 3 months, you must catch up uh, all over again from scratch. It's in a mind blowing speed that you must uh, keep up with the pace, the people and the technologies. It's crazy uh, the pace in which they release uh, all the stuff. it's uh, massive in terms of the footprint of people that come and you get a real sense of how big this uh, cloud platform really is and uh, so that's been a kind of fascinating to see how fast they have grown and how fast they put out services and features right uh, and so how do i stay up to date then am i looking at rss feeds or am i watching their social media accounts from aws how do i stay on top of all this stuff with aws it's easy I just have to follow Jeff Barr who's kind of the ambassador for all of this. He's a guy in charge of pushing out of all the press releases. He's been involved with AWS services from the very beginning, so he will pull out blog posts regularly whenever there is a new stuff coming out. I believe they have a weekly where they just summarize all these features released that week. So yeah, follow Jeff Barr, that's a good piece of advice. I have covered about uh, building on AWS. Uh, happy to come up with more episodes soon. Until then, take care. Cheers. Mm-hmm.